Welcome to Graceway's weekly message podcast. We hope that this message helps you not only know and enjoy God, but also discover your purpose and make a lasting difference in your community. We have an extraordinary guest speaker joining us this week, none other than Chris Harper, the CEO of Better Man. Chris is a passionate advocate for personal growth and has dedicated his life to empowering men to reach their fullest potential. Enjoy the message. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So says the word of God. Amen. I've got a friend back home named Theron Cunningham. I call him TC. Um, he's a church planter. Uh, TC was a standout all-state basketball player. From the time he was in middle school all the way through high school, him and his best friend shared a locker. One night after practice, TC's grandmom was taking him to an old-school tent revival. Come on. Some of y'all remember what those are like. So Monday night after practice, he goes to this tent revival. He comes back on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday night after practice, he goes to this tent revival. He hears about Jesus. Wednesday night after practice, he goes to this tent revival, and he comes to trust Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And he's baptized. Thursday after practice, he's there with his best friend at his locker, and he shuts the locker, and he says, man, I got to tell you something. On, Wednesday, on Monday night, I went to this tent revival. On Tuesday night, I went to this tent revival. And man, last night, I went to this tent revival, and I got saved, and I got baptized. His best friend looked at him and said, man, that's phenomenal. Me too. I'm a Christian. And TC began to well up with tears and looked at him and said, when were you going to tell me? When were you going to tell me? Church, who in your life right now needs to hear about King Jesus? Who can you tell? In our text this morning, Jesus calls his followers. He calls us new creations, verse 17. He says we are ministers of reconciliation, that we are his ambassadors, verses 18 and 20. What Jesus says is descriptive. He is describing us. In Christ, we are not becoming new creations. We are new creations. We aren't becoming ministers. We are ministers. We are not becoming ambassadors. We are ambassadors. The question is not, am I an ambassador? The question is, are you a good one or a bad one? That's the question. Look at someone and say, I want to be a good one. That's what we're going to learn today. 
We want God to teach us what it means to be His good ambassadors. I'm going to give you two principles this morning, two truths from our text about what it means to be a good ambassador. First and foremost, ambassadors go. They go. They go on behalf of the king to a foreign land, and you're in luck, you're already there. The Bible says that in Christ we are strangers in a foreign land, 1 Peter 5, Hebrews 11, which means Kansas City, Raytown is about as foreign as it gets. As Christians, we are strangers in a world of unbelievers. You are not of this world, but you are in this world. You may look like everyone else on the outside, but on the inside, you are different. You don't think like the world. You don't act like the world. You don't have all the same customs as the world. You don't have the same goals and desires as those in the world. Those in the world want to glorify themselves. You want to glorify God. You are different inside, and it shows, at least it should. My fear is too often it doesn't. We've all got this Kenny Chesney type theology. Everybody wants to go to heaven. We just don't want to go tonight. So we work and play and date and marry and live like everyone else. And in doing so, we lose the mark of our king. Some of us have been living for this world so long, we've forgotten our king. Maybe some of you have never really met the king. We're like the soils in Matthew 13. Before we could grab hold of the gospel, the birds of the air snatched it away. Before we could grab hold of the gospel, things like Twitter and Instagram and Netflix and past hurts and hangups and habits snatched it away. Some of us grabbed hold, but it was shallow and superficial. There was no root. So when it did not benefit us, when it wasn't convenient, when it got tough, it withered away. Some of us grabbed hold and it took root. There were even signs of life, but the cares and desires and pleasures of this world choked it out. You started to love the gifts more than you did the giver of the gifts. And what's left? Dead plants. Fruitless trees waiting for the act. Brothers and sisters, we've got to wake up. We've got to be different. We are different. We are ambassadors from a strange and foreign land. I'm telling you, we should be a little bit weird. I love what Russell Moore said. Dr. Russell Moore, he, president of the ERLC, when the Supreme Court redefined marriage some years back, CNN was interviewing Dr. Moore. And they said, Dr. Moore, don't you think it strange and archaic that the Southern Baptists still hold to a traditional view of marriage? Don't you think it's, it's weird that you all still believe that, that marriage is between a man and a woman? And Dr. Moore looked at her and said, oh, honey, we believe in stuff a lot weirder than that. 
We believe a previously dead guy is coming back on a horse to rescue us all. It gets weird. We should be a little weird. How do we do that? Well, Scripture teaches us that we become like what we behold. We become like the thing we spend time admiring and loving. Your heart will always follow your eyes. If you constantly look to the world and look like the world, you'll start to love and admire the world. Inversely, if you love and admire Christ, you'll look like Jesus. It's that simple. Some of us need to rekindle our love for Jesus. Some of us need to fall in love with Jesus. As Pastor Brandon saying, we need to turn our eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Look to the one who knew no sin but became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Church, we need to remember. Do you remember? Do you remember when he first saved you? How good he is? Do you remember Jesus? Do you know that more than 2,000 years ago, a man was born contrary to the laws of life? That this man lived in poverty. He was reared in obscurity. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He wasn't a venture capitalist. He wasn't a CEO, no corner office. He never had a family of his own, no wife, no kids. He never went to college. He wasn't well-traveled. He never set foot in a big city. As a matter of fact, he never traveled more than 200 miles from his home. He never did the things that usually accompany greatness. His resume was simply his name. While he was young, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One betrayed him. His best friend denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners threw dice for the only thing he owned, his coat. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Do you know this, Jesus? Do you know that in infancy, my guy startled a king? In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He walked upon the water as if it was pavement, and he hushed the sea to sleep. Though he didn't travel, his name can be found in every city, every state, every nation, and every country. He healed the multitudes without medicine and never once charged for his service. He never wrote a book, yet all the libraries in the world cannot hold the books that have been written about him. 
He never wrote a song, and yet he has furnished the melody for more songs than all songwriters combined. Never went to college, but all the schools put together cannot boast of having as many students. He never gathered an army, drafted a soldier, fired a gun, and yet every day more and more of his enemies are brought under his good and kingly rule. He never practiced psychiatry, yet he has healed more broken hearts than all doctors near and far. Today, every week, millions gather to sing and praise his name. The names of past great men, men of Greece and Rome, have come and gone. The names of past scientists and philosophers and generals and theologians have come and gone, but the name of this man abounds more and more. Time has passed 2,000 years between the people of this generation and the scene of his crucifixion, yet he still lives. Herod could not destroy him. The grave could not hold him. He stands forth upon the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed of God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, and feared by demons. He is the living personal Christ, our Lord and Savior, King Jesus, ain't no king like my king. No king like my king. And he loves you. He saved you. He wants to save. And this king of kings says we are his ambassadors. That's who we are. It's amazing. It's amazing that he would choose the weak and foolish and silly people like me and you to carry his name. But that's exactly what he did. Church, we need to remember his love. Remember who he is. In the Old Testament, there is one commandment that rises above every other commandment. God says, remember. God is always telling his children to remember. Why? Because we are prone to forget. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We are strangers in a foreign land. Here on behalf of the king, the next time you start to talk and think and look like the world, remember who he is. Remember what he's done. Remember we are called to go and be different. Look different. Imagine if, Ma imagine if Pastor Tim invited me here to preach today and I showed up 45 minutes late. I'd walk in and Tim would say, Chris, what are you doing? We gave you the privilege, the honor of being here. And I'd say, Tim, no worries. On my way over, there was a van full of orphans broke down on the side of the road. I had to stop. And as I was changing the tire, one of the lug nuts went into the road, and, and I went to pick it up, and I got hit by a log truck going 100 miles an hour. But don't worry, I'm here. Tim would say, Chris, you're crazy. 
I say, absolutely not, Tim. There was, there was a van full of orphans. I stopped. I changed the tire, lug nut in the road. And, and when I went to pick it up, a, a log truck going 100 miles an hour hit me. But don't worry, I'm here. He'd say, Chris, you're lying. I'd say, Tim, why, why are you calling me crazy? Why are you calling me a liar? And he would say, because when you get hit by a log truck, you look different. <laughs> and Chris, you don't look different. Church, when the grace of God hits you like a log truck. You look different. You talk different. You walk different. You live different. He calls us to go as his ambassadors. We are different. Second. We go and we go with the message of the gospel. God changes people and he changes them through the gospel and we get to be his vessel. We get to be his mouthpiece. I love what Luther said. Martin Luther said the Holy Spirit comes riding in on the chariot of the gospel and we get to drive the chariot. We get to drive it. It's unreal. And what is this gospel? Well, Paul tells us in verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you have one sentence, you have five seconds to deliver the gospel, this is it. Of all the sentences in Scripture, this is the most concise sentence on the gospel. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. He took my sin and gave me his glory. And that message changes people. It changes people. And we go with that message as agents of change. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that good people can be better people. He died so that dead people can come to life. He changes people. He changes their nature. He takes their heart of stone and he gives them a heart of flesh. And we get to be the messenger. We get to be the change agent. So what I want to do for you this morning is I want to take a little history, I want to take a little psychology, and I want to take a lot of Bible, and I want to tell you why people change. You see, there are only four reasons why people change. Four situations in which change is, is possible. And when you step into these situations with the gospel, when you step in with the message of reconciliation, things change. You ready? First, people change when they hurt enough that they're open to. When they hurt enough that they're open to. It's amazing how willing people are to change when they've hit rock bottom. Friends, the quickest way to someone's heart is often through a wound. As ambassadors, we don't run from the pain, we run to the pain. Your neighbor is getting a divorce, don't ignore it, step into it. 
Your nephew just proclaimed he's non-binary and same-sex attracted. Don't run away, run to him. Your coworker just got fired. Your spouse has cancer. Don't run from the pain. Step into the pain. Brothers and sisters, this is what makes our faith unique. We have an answer for the pain and the hurt in this world. This is why the Beatitudes calls us peacemakers, and that's a bad translation. The Greek actually says we are peace creators. When we step into the room, we create peace. When we step into our offices, we create peace. When we step into our homes, our backyards, we are agents of peace. We have a message of hope and healing and reconciliation that a dying world needs to hear. Don't run away from the pain, run to the pain. Give someone a message of hope. I remember when I was first called to to serve my first church. The weight of that was unbearable. Immediately I was flooded with, with the thoughts of things I had done, things I had done in college, things I had done before I had known Jesus. I, call, I called Dr. York, the preaching professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I said, Dr. York, I can't pastor this church. He said, why not? I said, Dr. York, you don't know the things I've done, the sexual promiscuity, the selfish pride that's in me. I said, I, said, I, actually, I actually encouraged a girlfriend to have an abortion. I can't pastor this church I'll never forget what he told me he said Chris when your repentance is more notorious than your sin you are okay you are okay you will have a message and you will have a platform and you will have a ministry and a story to share to bring hope and healing and reconciliation listen to me When your repentance is more notorious than your sin, you're okay. And there are only two things that happen to our pain. Somebody needs to hear this. Your pain is either transformed by the gospel or it is transferred onto someone else. One of two things. Your pain is either transformed by the gospel or you will transfer it to your wife your husband, your children, your friends, your family. Second, people change when they learn enough that they want to. That they learn enough that they want to. How will they know if we don't go and how will they hear if we don't tell them? We have to communicate. Some of y'all, you have this tagline on your email. And it says, I share the gospel wherever I go, and if I have to, I use words. Um, Delete that. This terrible theology. Second, um, St. Francis never said it. We have to speak. We have to communicate the gospel. As we go, we need to to drip and we need to leak the gospel in every place we're at. When we go into a restaurant or go into work or come into church or go in and out of our homes, like the scent of Christ should be there because we are the pleasing aroma. 
We need to drip and leak the gospel. I have, I have two practices in my life that make sure I'm dripping the gospel wherever I go. First, um, if you call my cell phone uh, and I don't know you, I will send you to voicemail because the gospel is on my voicemail. It says, hey, you've missed Chris, but don't miss this. <laughs> and I share the gospel. It's amazing. The stories of transformation. I had a Domino's pizza delivery girl call my phone looking for my house. She couldn't find it. I sent her the voicemail. She later found my house. When I opened up the pizza, there was a note taped to the box, and it simply said, I was going to kill myself tonight before I heard that message. Just dripping the gospel. The second, the second way is I'm an old school Bible track guy. I still believe God saves people through the written word. So I've got these Bible tracks that when I get gas, after I get gas, I slide the Bible track into the little credit card machine so the next person got to pull it out. I can't wait to get to heaven and be sitting in the lunchroom and overhearing a conversation. A guy says, bro, how did you get here? He says, I don't know. I was sitting on E, then I stopped at Quick Trip. <clears throat> I'm going to smile and keep eating. So we find subtle ways just to leak and to drip the gospel wherever we go. I, doesn't, I don't know what that looks like for you, but you need to do it. Three, people change when they've seen enough that they are inspired to. They change when they've seen enough that they're inspired to. And this is a good principle. No one in this room lives their life in neutral. You are either pushing people to King Jesus or you are pulling people away from King Jesus. No one lives in neutral. And my heart breaks for the church in the West today. Y'all, we are so uninspirational. People aren't looking at us and saying, I want to be like that. Man, I want us to be inspiring. You know the story of Nehemiah? The Bible says that when Nehemiah heard about the wall in Jerusalem, how it had been broken down, that he wept and he mourned for 90 days. It only took him 60 to rebuild it. For 90 days he wept and mourned. Do you know why he did that? Nehemiah wasn't a wall builder. He didn't build the wall. He was a chef. It's because in the Bible, strong and powerful, significant cities had a strong and powerful, significant wall. Weak and pathetic cities had a weak and pathetic wall. When Nehemiah heard people throwing insults at God's city because of their wall, it broke his heart. Y'all, we've got to rebuild the wall. We represent the king of kings. How significant, how predominant, how inspirational should we be? I love the church, the early church in the book of Acts. The Bible said that they loved one another so well that a watching world looked and daily added to their numbers. A watching world looked and said, I want to be like that. Church, I'm telling you, missions exist today because love doesn't. Because worship doesn't. 
Because when we love one another well and serve one another well, when we do the things we're called to do in God's word, people see that and say, let me taste that. Give me some of that. Oh, I want to be inspirational. I want people to look at my life and say, I want that type of marriage. I want those type of kids. I want that type of ministry. We've got to be inspirational. One of the easiest ways you can do this is by loving your church well. Have people see that you're committed to the local church. When this door is open, be here. The greatest detriment to the church in the West in the last 50 years has been this phrase called travel baseball. That's all right, you can be quiet. Man, when it's open, be here. Bring your family, bring your kids, bring your neighbors. Show them your devotion for God's church. It is the local church that God has ordained to save the world. Show them enough that they're inspired. Lastly, people change when they receive enough that they are able to. When they receive enough that they are able to. This is why Jesus said, if someone is thirsty, go with a cup of cold water. Brothers and sisters, it is hard to hear God loves you when your stomach is rumbling. So we meet each other's needs. We meet our neighbor's needs. Luther, again, I love what he said. He said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Your neighbor needs your good works. This is why Jesus tells us to bear good fruit. I want you to think about that. You know what a fruit tree doesn't do? It doesn't eat its own fruit. Fruit trees produce fruit for others. Big, ripe, juicy fruit so you can say, come eat of me. Come get your fill right here and let me tell you about my king. When they receive enough that they're able to. That's how, that's how people change. And I'm telling you, what, what the world needs today probably more than anything else is love the three pillars of the church, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. We Christians, we need to be kind. We have a saying in my house, kindness is king. You want to be successful in life? Three principles. My, kid could t- my kids could tell you right now. First is be kind. Second is be kind. Third is be kind. I've got a friend in, in seminary. Um, he's all right. Uh, I love him. We're brothers. Uh, sometimes we disagree on things. Uh, he's, a, he's a pilot. He's an airline pilot. So he was telling me the story recently. He said, Chris, I was on a jump seat on a plane, and as we were boarding the plane, the, the team was there, and this steward who is transitioning into a stewardess uh, was talking about his gender transformation. He's kind of bragging about it, talking about it, showing pictures of, of all the things he does, this and that. And, and he said, frankly, Chris, it was really bothering me. So finally, I just looked at the guy and I said, let me see that picture. And the guy turned the picture and showed him and he said, I would never do that. And the steward said, do what? He said, wear those shoes with that dress. <laughs> <laughs> 
The next time you wear that dress, you best wear blue shoes. He said it was amazing because when we sat on that flight, he said that steward sat by me for 45 minutes and I got to share the gospel. He came in with compassion. It doesn't mean we can't have convictions. We've got to have convictions. I am a convictional man. King Jesus was a lion, but he was also a lamb. So often in church, we want to divorce our conviction from our compassion. Jesus never did that. You can have convictions and you can be compassionate. And to major in one of the other is a problem. If all you do is express your convictions, you grow cold and dead and no one wants to be around you. And if all you do is express compassion, nobody really knows what you believe or stands for. So you've got to have both. We have conviction and compassion and we express that through love even to the point, Jesus says, that we love our neighbors, no, enemies. Well, if I got on your Facebook page, if I got on your Twitter account, if I called your spouse, would I see and smell the aroma of Jesus? You know, people change when they receive enough that they're able to, and they need to receive love and honor and dignity from us. I don't care what side of the political aisle they're on. I don't care how much they disagree with us. Every human being, C.S. Lewis was right, you've never met a mere mortal. Everyone is created in the image of God. Everyone you've ever met is worthy of love, respect, honor, and dignity because they bear the mark of God. And I'm convinced when the church wakes up to this, when we start to give people enough, when we start to teach people enough, when we start to be inspirational, when we start to run towards the pain, I'm convinced things will change. And we live in a world that needs change. Today, today, Africa is home to 27% of the world's Christians. It's the largest share in the world. By 2050, that figure will likely be 40%. For comparison, the United States and Canada, we are home to 11% of all Christians in the world. And in 2050, that number is projected to drop below 7%. You are living in the greatest mission field in the world right now. It's your backyard. It's your offices. It's your schools. It's the greatest mission field in the world. And when we have the courage to go, and then when we go with the message of reconciliation, people change. I love how, how that hymn ends. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Do you know how it ends? It, it says, his word shall not fail you, he promised. 
Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell. We go to a world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell. And we do that because we are his ambassadors. We go. We go with the gospel and over time things change. Father God, we give you thanks today. Thank you for your message of reconciliation. Thank you for changing us. Father, the men and women in this room that have been changed through the power of your gospel, God, give them boldness. Give them clarity. Give them convictions and compassion, Lord, to go be agents of change. Agents of change in their homes, in their workplaces, in their schools. Let them drip and leak the gospel, God. We want to be good ambassadors. Lord, and I'm not amiss to think that in a room this size with this many people, there are some people in here that have not been changed. Maybe they think they've been changed, but they haven't. Maybe they know they haven't been changed and they came in here today not wanting to be changed. I am believing in the power of God that you changed their heart. Oh, God, that your Holy Spirit be so heavy on them that they can't even leave this place without confessing you, King Jesus, as Savior and Lord. Oh, you're in the change business. Change us, God. Help us to be more like your Son. In his name we pray. Amen. Come on, somebody. Yes, sir.